Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. This show is designed to help small business owners, salespeople, and aspiring entrepreneurs master every aspect of business success. We've got a great lineup of guests and topics scheduled for you. We'll be talking about everything from sales to employee issues, from technology to social media, from work-life balance to exploring uncharted territory. Participation is welcome and encouraged. Your host, Diane Helbig, is a world-class author, speaker, and business development coach. Be sure to check out her latest book, Lemonade Stand Selling, on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. And now, on with the show. Well, hello, everybody. I um, am going to apologize. We seem to be having some technical difficulty right now, and we're trying to get Arthur on the line. Uh, So in the meantime... Uh, let me tell you a couple of things. I will tell you that today's show is sponsored by me and my sales training program. Uh, the sales training program is designed to help small business owners or uh, salespeople create a strategy that will work for them over time in their business. Um, the show is also streaming on Stitcher Smart Radio. Uh, you can get it on your mobile device, your iPad, laptop, or Palm. Uh, and all you have to do is go to Stitcher.com and you can put in my name or Accelerate Your Business Growth to find the show and then you just download the app and there it is. Uh, as we said, we do like uh, participation from the audience on the show and I know a couple of people have told me that they're real excited about the show so I'm really hoping we can work out the technical difficulty and get Arthur here. Um, If you want to participate, all you do is type something into the chat box, and I will uh, read it out loud to Arthur. If you um, are on the phone and you want to participate, you can press 1, and that will let me know that you want to participate. Uh, Today's subject is about negotiating and um, how to develop negotiating skills in your business. Uh, While we are trying to work out this technical difficulty and get Arthur on the line, if um, you have any... um, strategies that you use that you find really helpful, or if you have any questions that you would want to make sure we got answered today, uh, let me know. Type something into the chat room, and uh, I will keep track of it, and that way we will um, make sure that that gets taken care of. Um, Negotiating, you know, is a very interesting topic. It, uh, when done well, uh, can lead to really great things in your business when not done so well can really uh, be damaging actually to your business because I think it sets a, a precedent um, for other people about you know how they view the way that you do business. Uh, one thing I've always known um, since very early on in my career actually is uh, that negotiations really work when both parties feel like they won that there really isn't uh, pulling one over on someone else kind of thing. You know, you, you everybody, like both parties come to the table willing to give up something so that everybody feels like they, they got a good deal. That's a good negotiation, you know, because then it's best for everyone. No one has regrets. No one has resentments. No one um, has any situations that they aren't real happy with. Uh, so, um 
those are the kinds of negotiations that work best. I know I've had a couple of really good negotiations throughout my career that um, were really fun. You know, they were uh, – it was like being in a zone. It was being real focused, real calm, in some way not necessarily attached to the outcome. So there wasn't a lot of emotion involved. And I think uh, when you can do that, you think more clearly about what you're saying, about what the other person is saying. You can respond instead of react because you're able to really be relaxed and hear uh, what's going on, um, which is, you know, critically important to uh, the whole uh, situation, you know, and the, the whole process of negotiating. I think sometimes what gets in our way is we so want a particular outcome or we are so invested in getting whatever it is, maybe because we need it really badly, that our focus is sort of um, in the wrong place. You know, it can be hypersensitive, you know, because we're so really keyed into what we need as opposed to what's going on in the conversation, what's going on in the situation, what are they talking about, how are they talking about it, you know, what are they willing to do, what are you willing to do, Um, having uh, foresight, and what I mean by that is really preparing for it ahead of time, thinking about it ahead of time, considering what some of the possible responses on the other side might be so that you're prepared with an answer, you know, you sort of play devil's advocate against yourself and you say, okay, well, what if they come back to me with this? Or what, are they, what if they come back to me with that? You know, what, what if all of that is going on? So um, it can be um, really helpful to really spend some time ahead of time, and, and I mean sort of well ahead of time, not, you know, I'm going to talk in a second about five minutes ahead of time, but well ahead of time really planning out your answers to questions and, and somewhat of your strategy and then really getting in a good headspace immediately before you enter into the negotiation. Um, I'm going to uh, ask for your indulgence for a minute. For those of you just logging on, we are having some technical difficulty and having a little bit of trouble getting Arthur on the line. I'm going to um, step away from the show for just a second and see if I can uh, get him um, get some of this resolved. I I need to talk to um, our technical assistants for a moment. So please hold the line. Hi there. Okay, I think we have gotten this problem resolved, and I think Arthur should be joining us shortly. And I think he was in a in a place where his reception was ha- giving him a problem. So, um, as I mentioned a moment ago, and Arthur will be joining us, and we'll be doing his uh, intro. Um, if there are particular things about negotiation that you would like answered, type them into the chat room, and I will make sure that we ask Arthur. I want to make sure we all get our questions answered. Um, while he is um, logging in, I will get, do his bio. 
Uh, Arthur Wiley um, is our guest today. Among his current endeavors, Arthur is an executive at Global Entertainment Holdings Film Fund, a publicly traded film production firm currently building a $100 million film fund. His duties there range from capital raising, film production oversight, distribution, to marketing and working with some of, the, some of Hollywood's top producers who have more than $9 billion in box office sales. Arthur holds a bachelor's degree in financial management from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte and has been a licensed securities pr- principal for some of the top investment companies in the world. Arthur is also the author of Only the Crazy and Fearless Win Big, and I think we have him now. Arthur, is that yes. you? Yes, yes, I am here. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm good. Thank you. I just got done uh, reading your bio and um, sort of prepped everyone, explained that you had some technical difficulty getting logged in, but I'm so glad we got that resolved and you are able to join us. Uh, So negotiation, big, big topic. Um, I was talking about a couple things about it while we were, you know, trying to get everything worked out. But I'm wondering, you know, I want to dive right in. So I'm I'm wondering if you can share with our listeners um, why really, you know, developing negotiating skills is so important? You know, I think that is important in anything that you're doing, not only just in your business life, but also your personal life. You know, it really gives you a fulfillment of of, of having a, a good business career. Uh, I mean, whether you're going after that, that new job, whether you're trying to get this deal or this uh, new proposal pushed through, these are critical items that you need to be successful in business and things that I've used personally to, uh, to manage over a half a billion dollars. So it's, uh, it does work, uh, and the best people in business, they, they really uh, have these careers. The, the people, they actually know exactly what they want to do, how they want to do it to get there. Got it. Okay, um, let's talk about the six tips. To masterful deal making is, is wh- what you call it. Um, part of that is know your value, right? Wh- yeah. What do you mean by that? And, and knowing your value, I mean, whenever I talk to people, they don't even know their product. I mean, it just it amazes me and astonishes me, you know, sometimes that, you know, whenever you look at a particular deal, you have to research it, you have to understand it, and you also have to know what the goals and the objectives are you know, when you're trying to to reach that particular goal. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think um, it's funny. I notice it too a lot with um, the people I deal with that that they, it's not just like they know the mechanics of what it is they sell, but they don't necessarily understand why it's a value to someone else. So they, you know, for me. Well, a lot of times. Go ahead. no, I say a lot of times what they do is they only look at it to benefit themselves. Yeah. You can't look you can't look at, you know, knowing the product and saying, Okay, here's the product and you guys just buy it or you yeah. take this deal. You gotta put yourself in the other person's shoes and say, Look, you know, three people have to be able to benefit, you know. You have to benefit the people that you're providing a service to and then also the end user. Yeah, wow, that's a great point. That that's so absolutely true. And and you're right, people think about it's funny because when we were trying to get you on, I was saying that um, one of the problems I think people have is that they, they are so um, in this place of what they need to get out of the deal that they're not really paying attention when they're in the conversation, when they're in the deal, you know, when, when they're in the negotiation process to really hear 
what's going on on the other side of the table. Yeah, I just think people are selfish. I mean, there's some people yeah. that, they're, they're, yeah, they're just one-minded on the things that they want to end up doing. And you can't be that way anytime you're dealing in negotiations like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So you really need to know um, what your value is to, to the person on the other side. What are you helping them accomplish? What are you helping them solve? And, and in line with that, you know, you say that helping the opposition is an effective strategy in deal-making. What do you mean by that? Well, one of the things that whenever I do a, a deal, I look at all the main reasons why people will not do business with me. You know, oh. and, and, once, and once you find out what those objectives are, those objections are, you can go back and start finding out what those solutions are to those problems. Because if someone's been able to do a deal before, that does, I know that I can do that same deal. It's not even better. But I have to understand what the objections are and then come back with adequate solutions to people's problems. When you're doing a deal, it's about how am I bringing the solutions to, you know, to, this, the, to the table? How am I making someone's life better? How am I making this corporation better? And, again, this is that non-selfish approach yeah. that you've got to have whenever you're dealing with deal-making. Yeah, boy, and it can't be said enough. It's so true that you really, really need to be thinking about the, the person on the other side and, and – um, I had mentioned earlier it's like playing devil's advocate with yourself and saying, you know, what are they going to ask me? You know, what what are they going to bring up? What are they going to say that I need to be able to have an answer to in order to be able to effectively uh, talk through this the, this whole thing? So, you know, and, and get um, get them moving down the road with me, you know, so to speak. Um, speaking of which, you also say um, – that it's important to get buy-in on your vision. So, you know, two things here. What, what do you mean by that, and why is that so important? Well, getting buy-in, typically, you have to look at it where you make that individual look at it as their, their own vision. So you have to be a good listener. You have to really understand um, what their goals and what their objectives are. Because when you ha- when you understand what their goals and their objectives of their objectives are, you can then start you know kind of like back uh, tracking and, and going at another angle for them to solve and resolve their their process their projects and processes. Okay, so I, I'm with you 100. percent You gotta listen. You gotta um, um, really hear what they have to say and really hear what their needs are. And then it sounds like what you're saying is then you frame your response in a way that they really hear it, you know, that that's how you're getting them to buy into your vision, that that you're taking your solution and you're matching it to their situation so that they really like what they're hearing. Is that right? Absolutely. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, You also say, and I love this, I mean, this just, you know, really love it, that, that personal relationships, make the negotiation easier. Now, my question for you is, are you talking about having a personal relationship with the person you're negotiating with or having personal relationships with people they're connected to? You know, so in other words, you no. share common, you know, what what, the, what do you mean by that? I think it's a, a combination of both. I think that when you're dealing with personal relations, you have to do simple things, such as make eye-to-eye contact with people shake the hand, you know, talk, be engaging. 
you know, again, don't have a one-track mind in doing so. Try to find commonalities, you know, with these individuals. Whether you be schools, try to stay away from political things, uh, religion, or things that, you know, like, like no, you want to stay away from. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, and especially during an election year. I mean, you know, a lot of these individuals can be very, very heated. So it's best to, you know, just form that relationship and find out where your commonalities are. You know, whether it be football, baseball, you know, it's just general dialogue. And people do business with uh, folks that they feel comfortable with. That's the bottom line. Yeah, that that's a really good point. And it definitely makes negotiating easier because when they like you and you like them, you know, they want you to win and you want them to win. You know, it's once again what you, what you said before about, you know, don't be selfish about it. You know, when you really like them, you want to make sure that they're getting a good deal. They want to make sure that yeah. you're getting a good deal. So, I, I yeah, would think that yeah. there's less back and forth. Yeah, people are okay that you're going to make money, you know, with them and also on them. It's fine. But yeah. just have a point of sincerity and, and be genuine with um, with what you want, how you want to achieve that, and to know that you have genuinely their best interest, as, as, you know, involved as well. So let, let me ask you um, a, a question about – so let's say you're in the middle of a negotiation with someone who you don't know well. Are there are there um, things that people say or do that that I'm not sure how I'm phrasing. I'm having difficulty phrasing this question. The question I'm asking is like, when do you know to walk away? You know, when do you know when you're in a situation where it's not really negotiating. You know, you're, you're, they're not coming to the table or, you know, that they've dug their feet in the ground or, you know, or you're not going to be able to come to some sort of agreement. Are, are there, like, behaviors or signs or, you know, ways people operate that, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. You know, let me tell you something. You know, the no is one of the greatest tools and words in the English language. So that true. You can use. <laughs> and it's okay to say no because sometimes things just don't work out. And it's better to actually cut your losses quickly yeah. than it is to um, continue to spend time on a, a relationship that's not fruitful. That's just if you're dating someone the same way. <laughs> relationship in business and relationship in personal are very similar. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. They can be just as complicated. They should be just as yes. easy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to continue to have a long term bad business relationship, <laughs> nor do you want to press the point. Right, exactly. So true. So um so really, uh it, it seems to me that uh being really present in a negotiation and, and knowing what your what I call the floor, you know, the the line below which you will not go being really clear about that before you go into the negotiation. So as you're you know, as you're communicating and you're going through the process with someone if you keep hitting that floor and and they keep wanting to go below it you know you know to get out you know i mean one of the things i worry about with people is that they don't necessarily plan enough ahead of time for their negotiating so they get in there and and they don't know what their parameters are and so they end up sort of in a hamster wheel kind of thing well, first of all, never let that one client be your only option. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things. I mean, it's very simple. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. I mean, if you're negotiating with this particular person or supplier, find other um, 
suppliers and, and people to do business with that are in that same genre, the thing that they're doing. Ah, so don't, don't feel like you're stuck. Yeah, don't don't limit yourself. Yeah. That's just that's just like again, I bring it back to a personal relationship that you're courting. That's just saying like there's only one female in the world today. There's only one right. man in the world today. Right. That's that's crazy. You know, right. You don't wanna you don't operate businesses like that. We don't yeah. operate our personal lives like that. So boy, really great point. And and that that's a really great thing for people to Remember that you know with suppliers and with clients, there there's if this isn't the right one, there's someone else. Don't get so hung up on having to try and make it work when all signs are pointing to this isn't going to work. Right. Especially yeah. when it comes to to you know something that you're dealing with in an ethnic uh, or dealing with your ethics, you know, or or morals or morality. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, you you have you, you have your limits. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, right. And you got to know what they are and be very clear. And and same with, you know, pricing. I mean, you know, you, you ha- there, there there's a value that's part of, you know, going back to know your value. There's a value in what you do. You need to be really clear about what it is and what it is for you and be very careful about, yeah. you know, me... negotiating too far down. Yeah, you're right. Let me give you an example. Sure. I just did um, one of the largest um, television deals in history last week. As uh, I did it on a, a program with uh, with Wiley Studios, which is a company that I started, with Omnivision and Omniverse. Okay, they uh, syndicate to CBS, NBC, ABC, and all the other affiliates in the United States. Two hundred eleven markets, eighty million people. And our pilot that we're doing is the largest first-run ever syndicated television show called Fly Girl. And that was a deal that had never been done before. And everyone says, Arthur, how did you get this deal done? I mean, I'm talking about bigger than Seinfeld or anything else. And this was a first-time producer on a television show doing this deal. Well, you always have to look at the things that you do have. Don't focus on the things that you don't have. Understand what those weaknesses and those limitations are. But you have to make sure that you you have a plan of attack. For example, I looked at uh, one of the um, uh, properties that we had was Omar Tyree, and he had over 8 million books that were sold and read and had grossed over $40 million with Simon & Schuster. So he had a built-in audience. Yeah. So if you have a built-in audience, it, it was something that the network and and other advertisers were wanting to be attached to. So that I, I built upon the things that I did have. So I had relationships with advertisers. You got relationships with your advertisers. Well, then guess what? The networks are interested in that because how do networks make money? Right. Through, through advertising. advertising dollars. That's the reason why they put programming. That's how even soap operas was even invented. You yeah. know, they were like, wow, we want to sell soap. <laughs> yeah. So Arthur Gamble right. and, these, and these other guys, they invested into these things called soap operas so they could sell their soap to all the stay-at-home moms and these other things. So what you do is you look at the, the, the whole essence of the deal and the foundations of it. And that's, again, knowing your product. Yeah. You know, and, and build on what your strengths are. Now, the weaknesses were that, of course, they're going to say, like, he's a first-time producer, um, you know, uh, where is he going to get the finance and see those things? 
you look at those things. You don't take away from them. You understand them, and you embrace all of those objects. All those objections that you end up having, and your, your, your objectives of what you're trying to do. And I said, well, okay. Um, if they think that I need to get um, more production experience, so what did I do? I went and got some of the top producers, you know, in the, in the world to help me work on this project. People like Kim Harden that, you know, um, that really um, pushed some of the, the uh, Hollywood best stars from Holly Berry to Jennifer Lopez to Ludacris to uh, Terrence Howard, uh, Samuel Jackson, you know, Jada Pickett. You know, so those are the the things that I had to look at and and make sure that I had the right team of people around me to pull these things off. So you look at it whenever you're doing deal making. Not only just look at yourself, look at your team, um, the people that that you have around you that can help you build those things. So you don't always have all the answers and all the things to get to where you're trying to go and what you're trying to do. But this is some of the techniques that I've been able to use to, to do some of these crazy and fearless deals, just like my book. You know, now they say, all right, so this deal is crazy. I say, well, I got a reason. I got a book about it now. Only crazy and fearless, <laughs> only crazy and fearless went big. So now it's my excuse. Now, right, my now everything you do has to be crazy and fearless, right. Well, that's a great example. Thank you so much for, for sharing it. It's a great example of preparing for the conversation thinking about what the objections are going to be and being able to answer them, playing to your strengths, understanding your resources. It's a really, really great example of really preparing yourself for the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. Really? Okay, and congratulations, really. A great thing. So um, now that was a really big deal, and I think – you know, so many people would like the really big deals. But share with us um, what are some of the benefits of seeking out the smaller deals before you try and go after the big ones? Okay. i got one, another example for you. I have a wonderful exec, executive assistant. <laughs> and, you know, before she became my exec, executive assistant, we had to talk about the terms. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so what are we going to do? But, you know, an, an experienced um, executive assistant and someone that knows what they're doing will keep you on track and also, you know, bong you on the head when you're not really doing the things that you need to do. So you have I had to close that deal, you know, because everybody doesn't want to work with you. Whenever you're hiring somebody, that's a, that's a huge deal. Yeah, the kidding. Yes, two people choosing each other. That particular individual is choosing your firm because they think that it's a great firm and they want to be a part of it. And it's, and it's up to you to mess it up. And just like you are looking at them because you think they have the potential to change the dynamics of your company. So these are small deals, and people don't think about it, but this is you have to, again, know who you are. Um, from. Let's say if you're actually looking for that job, you have to know who you are as that person and you as the product. You know, you are a brand in itself. Right. You, you know, you are whatever your name is and incorporated. Yeah. You, know, you have to know, just like a SWOT analysis and marketing plan, you have to know your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities and threats anytime you sit down. And how yeah. do you and, end up taking those services there? Yeah. And so um, really what you're saying is no matter what size the deal is, you need to be preparing for them all the same way with, with the same level oh, of my. energy. But but working on some small ones to really get the hang of it is probably yeah. better 
than trying mm-hmm. to go after the big. I mean, which is the same as you know, it's really true mm-hmm. in in anything. You know, you want to get the practice in, you know, and and mm-hmm. make your mistakes on the smaller ones if you're going to make them, so that you learn there mm-hmm. where it may not be as big of a hit if you don't get the deal or the job or whatever it is. Exactly, exactly, and that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, so look at the same thing. You got to know your value. You got to have enough. You have to be humble. Uh, you have to have a certain amount of swag and confidence that you can actually pull it off because who's going to actually want to uh, invest or do a deal with you? They don't think you can pull it off. So if you go in there very timid and like, oh, I don't really know if I can do it or um, I hope that we can get to this point, like, no, you want somebody to say, we hope we can get to this and say, look, this is where we're going and this is uh, the, the steps of what we need to do to get there that's going to increase our um, efficient way in doing that. People want to hear that. They yeah. want to they want to feel like you're, they're an experiment. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. It's really, it's it's very, very true. And if you're, and and you, you know, mentioned it as well that if you're not going to be, if you don't feel confident, there's no way they're going to feel confident. And um, it's funny, you know, I I there, I encountered a business uh, that they were starting something new for them, and so. They were like learning on their clients' time, but they weren't. They didn't really share that with their clients and say. I mean, they sort of did, but you know, you, you can't really. You have to do all of your research and find out everything before you go selling it to somebody and then figuring it out. And they actually said to me, um, "Well, we're trying different models to see which one sticks." It's like, okay, well, you can't really do that to people. You know, you have to do your market research first and. So, you know, they went in confidently, but then there wasn't really anything to back it up, which is a problem. And I think for me it goes back to understanding your value. But, um, you know, confidence swings both ways. You need to be really confident in what you offer. You have to know very clearly what it is you offer, what you bring to the table, so that when you're listening to what someone needs, you're responding to them instead of telling them what they need, you know, what you have that they need. Um, kind of thing. So, so you also mentioned being humble and having finesse, and those are slightly different. But so, can you expand on those yeah. a little bit? Yeah, being humble just has a point of just you know you have to have empathy for people. Uh, you have to understand and um, you know what they're trying to achieve. Um, one of the best ways to do that is ask oh. a lot of questions. Okay, wait. I'm ask sorry, you broke up. Can you can you start over? Yeah, it's to ask a lot of questions. That's okay. one of the, the, the biggest ways that you can, can do that, you know, have understanding and empathy, you know, for what they're trying to do and what their issues are. Yeah, yeah, good. Empathy, very good. Yeah. Really trying to understand what's on the other side of the table. Yeah, it's just asking questions. A lot of times yeah. you have to ask, a, a, you know, a lot of questions to make sure that you really Understanding and you're listening to what they're what they're doing, and they'll appreciate that. You yeah. know, if you're doing all if you're doing all the talking, you're not winning. Right, right, absolutely. Very good point. Very good point. Are there um, uh, other? I just want to remind everyone uh, who's joining us today that if there's any questions you have or any um, comments you'd like to share, anything that you have used in the past that's been successful, please type into the chat room and I'll share it with Arthur. If you're on the phone, you can press 1 and that will let me know that you have something to say. Um, Are there uh, any other keys to successful deal-making? You know, one of the things that I mentioned 
uh, earlier was um, sort of preparing yourself psychologically right before you enter into the negotiation, um, you know, to make sure that your your head's in the right place. You know, you, you want to make sure you give yourself that little space and time. But are there things to do after a negotiation meeting that, that are also valuable and important? Yeah, I think before the meeting, one of the things that I always do, um, I'm very relaxed and energized, and I, 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 I just relax and listen to music, personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I review some of my notes, and then I, because I should have already been prepared anyway. I shouldn't have not done a last-minute preparation on, on whatever it is that's happening. So right. I have it already down of what I'm supposed to do. It's almost instinct at this point. So, therefore, I just want to make sure I'm relaxed and I'm focused on the things that I need to do. Now, as far as dealing with follow-up, uh, you know, that, that just comes down to just, again, you know, talking to the individual, letting them know that you appreciate their time and um, and making sure that you give them an execution plan on what they need to do to move forward. Most people don't close the deal. They yeah. don't ask for the money. They don't right. ask for the order. you got to ask yeah. for the order. So they get all these these great presentations. They do all these things, but they don't give the people. They don't know what to do with all yeah. the information you gave them. Like okay, thanks. <laughs> well, so exactly right, stuff. right. That's yeah, why, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why well, ask the question? Actually, right. When someone else says it, you know, maybe, maybe folks will listen to it. So, um, really, really great information. I really appreciate it. I'm sorry we had some trouble at the beginning. Um, please oh. share right now if you could tell the audience about your book, uh, what it's about, and how they can get it. Okay, the book is called Only the Crazy and Fearless Win Big. It's about some of the top entrepreneurs and leaders throughout history and their roadmap um, to success. And I looked at the, all of the traits that these individuals had, and they were very similar. And so I wrote down these traits of how to get to exponential success in people's lives and their wealth. So that's what it's about. And they can get the book uh, on Amazon.com. Uh, again, it's only crazy and fearless when big, or they can go to the website called crazyandfearless.com. Crazy and I'm writing it into the chat room and fearless.com. Yeah. And it's wonderful. It's my life. <laughs> That's your life, right? Crazy and fearless, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wonderful. Well, I really appreciate you spending some time with us and sharing these tips. I think they were really valuable and the audience got uh, a lot out of it. Um, And uh, thank you for joining us. I I wish you all the best success. I would like to thank all of you for sharing your time with us today. Today is an abbreviated show. Uh, Please remember to visit our sponsor, uh, Seize This Day Coaching, which is my company, and uh, look for the Uh, sales training program. Uh, If uh, you struggle with sales, you don't need to. Uh, So take a look at that. Our next show will be on April 23rd when Marilyn Landis of Basic Business Concepts will be talking with us about this new 21st century business model that we are in uh, and how you can position your business to uh, be successful in it. It's a bit of a different world we live in now than we did before, and um, she's got some great information to share with us. As always, if you know someone who'd be a good guest on the show or if you have a topic that you'd like us to explore, please let me know. You can reach out to me 
through my show page at blogtalkradio.com or you can go to my website at SeizeTheStayCoaching.com and shoot me over an email. Once again, I'd like to thank our guest Arthur and all of you. Have a great couple of weeks, and we will see you again on April 23rd. Okay, thank you for having me. Talk to you. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.